Ethical Investment, or ESG. It's being talked about more and more. Everybody wants some of it, so long as they can still make money from it. But can it also be abused? Can companies say they're doing the right thing for the planet just to attract investment, but it's all just glossy advertising and smoke and mirrors? This week, we'll look at the direction of ethical investment within Australia with a company that's doing quite well at it and providing a decent return for investors at the same time. That's this week. The Morning Call from NAB with Phil Dobby. The Weekend Edition. So ethical investing is an interesting term, isn't it? So is responsible investing. Does that mean if you're not doing it, if you're not practising ethical investing, you're practising unethical investing or irresponsible investing? I mean, the fact that it is a much more widely used term these days, responsible or ethical investing or whatever you want to call it, does that mean investors have developed more of a social conscience? Is it less about profit and more about the planet? Or can it be both? Well, I'm sure Australian Ethical, which is a Sydney-based fund manager, I'm sure they'll argue that it can be both because, after all, they've been getting pretty good returns from it lately. 7.8% for Australian shares over five years to September, according to superratings.com.au. And they have released a report earlier this week, along with the industry research firm Investment Trends, the 2023 Responsible Investing Report. Maria Loyers is uh, Australian Ethical's Chief Customer Officer. She's with us. On the weekend edition. So, Maria, I was actually going to lead in trying to disprove that good ethics equates with good returns. I was going to quote, I went to see what, you know, British American Tobacco, what their share performance was, you know, because I thought, well, they're probably doing okay. But I look and they're down 25% this year. Okay, they're paying dividends, but, you know, not doing too well. Cochlear doing really well, up 25% this year. So, is this going to be the norm, do you think, that the best performers are those companies that fit the bill as far as ethical investing is it is it now just too big to ignore and you can do the right thing and get a good return at the same time well absolutely phil um we we hope it does become the norm we definitely need a step change in the world to, to become more sustainable uh, and you know the the way that responsible investing works um the theory of change if you like is that by investing in sustainable companies that are you know creating positive um value you you drive then that they create value, you drive more investments. And then we start to really shift capital away from the companies that do harm. And that actually, you know, increases their cost of capital, if you like, their, their, their you know, their ability to do business. And it also creates a signaling um, effect to the markets uh, and to governments as well. Um, so it actually has quite a sort of systemic um, effect. And so we really hope, um, and we, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing very significant increases in demand over the last kind of, you know, four years, mm. um, particularly. But where do you draw the boundaries when you say companies that are doing good? You know, what's your definition of good? What's good um, and what's bad? I mean, this what's the dividing line here? Yeah, that's 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 a really good question. So I, I might need I might take a step back to just explain sort of perhaps what ethical investing and responsible investing is, because there are some nuances. So Responsible investment, um, sort of similar to sustainable investment or ethical investment. So it's an approach which factors in, as you say, people, society and the environment, along with financial performance when you're making and managing investments. But there's a spectrum of investing within that. That's a kind of an umbrella term, if you like. And so there's kind of light touch with less impact. And um, to much deeper when you're thinking about the influence and the outcomes that you're achieving. Uh, another umbrella term is ESG investing, and that stands for environmental social and governance. And what's quite confusing about that is that uh, many investment companies have kind of jumped on that ESG bandwagon in recent years um, because of the demand and interest in the market. And they've been using 
a, um, a, a method called ESG integration, which is actually the lightest touch approach to responsible investing. So they will look at environmental, social and governance factors, um, often not even doing their own research, but using a kind of index of, of a single rating number for those factors. And then they use that to value the stocks. But if they meet their expectation, and once they've done that valuation, they'll invest in it anyway. So the problem with that is that many people that are investing, wanting to align their investments with their with their values and thinking that their money is going towards improving environmental and social solutions while earning returns may actually have harmful stocks in their portfolio. So, what's, so, what, so, so because, you know, that, because one, that checklist is not comprehensive enough or it's, it's, it's not, not dig, a checklist. Dig, right. It's not, it's not a checklist. It's just a, okay, so this, this company, like, let's say you're concerned about gambling. Um, the, the investment manager will go, oh, well, this, this company is subject to, um, to gambling. We think there's some reputational damage from that potentially. So we'll value the stock a little bit less, but actually we still think it's probably worth investing in. So they invest in it anyway. And that's a real surprise to a lot of, um, a lot of consumers. So that's why it's important to understand, I think, that when we say, where do you draw the line? Uh, for some, for some companies, there is no investment managers. There's no dr- line drawn at all. As an ethical investor, you're always investing in line with a set of values. And that's where we can start talking about where do you draw that line? So at a, Australian ethical, you know, we're the leading ethical investment manager in, in Australia. We've been doing this since 1986, sort of ahead of its time, really. Um, and we're guided by an ethical charter. So that provides a framework for how we make decisions about what we invest in. And it's really, you know, a blueprint for a sustainable future. And Whilst it was set up in 1986, way before the UN um, Sustainable Development Goals, it actually matches pretty much to them. Um, so it's looking at all aspects of um, sustainability. So we're looking at companies. Are they um, that there's some that we just won't invest in at all, but others there's grey, and we go overall. Are they creating a more positive um, impact in the world than they are creating harm? So you know, examples of industries that we absolutely won't um, invest in are. You know, fossil fuel companies, gambling, tobacco, um, you know, weapon manufacture, um, companies that in regions that have poor human rights records, for example. Um, but what we tend to find is that we, we're, we've, we're overweighted and, and we're investing in, in companies that have, are uh, renewable energy, for example, healthcare, technology, um, and, you know, some of the you know, lithium, um, we do invest in some mining, you know, for lithium, but where it's in, in areas that have you know, strong human rights records. So do you think that's a, a safer strategy? I mean, there'll be people listening, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, if Warren Buffett was listening, which uh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But I'm sure he'd be in this camp. <laughs> of, of those people who say, well, actually, I'm not too concerned about that. It really is the, the return I'm concerned about. Uh, and, and there's a proportion of those people, aren't there, who say it's all about financial returns. Who, can, who's, who cares about the, how responsible those companies are so long as they don't become too big a risk, as long as they don't do something which is so atrocious that uh, it's going to impact their sales. But is that becoming too risky these days? Because, I mean, clearly, I think you you you're trying to make the point earlier that if more people are piling into ESGs or, you know, real responsible investments, if there's an increased demand for those assets, then obviously it's going to raise the price of those assets, whereas uh, everything else perhaps is going to fall by the wayside a bit. Yeah, look, I think there's two ways of thinking about this. There's thinking about individual company valuations, but then there's thinking about a portfolio approach because we're actually, you know, getting to the point um, where there's actually quite big systemic risks being created by, you know, climate change, 
um, and, and other aspects of sustainability, biodiversity, for example. So, um, you know, we have an ethics research team that obviously evaluates um, which, you know, which uh, stocks and companies we should invest in. But they also um, do engagement with uh with the companies, but also they think about a broader portfolio um, impact. So, um, so uh, giving an example, from a company perspective, they'll file shareholder resolutions, they'll participate in annual meetings. But I think what really sets us apart is that they're also engaging with industries and sectors that we may not be invested in, but we're really concerned about from that systemic perspective, and that could have quite a large effect on our portfolios, but, but others too. So an example is, you know, we've got quite limited investments in the building industry, but, but the building industry is one of the heaviest carbon emitting industries. And so, um, you know, our ethics research team engaged really quite deeply um, with that industry to encourage positive changes in business practices and um, to be, you know, producing lower, lower carbon concrete um, and, and cement. Um, and, and it's a really, you know, trying to drive them to be um, zero aligned, net zero aligned. And the alternative to net zero, of course, is a very different world, um, and which we believe actually would have a really quite big knock on effects to all sorts of systems, but particularly to the finance system itself. So we're actually thinking kind of bigger picture. So I'd argue with Warren Buffett, if I got the chance, that actually we, we've, we're past the point where we can be thinking about single companies um, and their, uh, their, their valuations, we need to be thinking much broader than that. That said, uh, we do exist to generate a positive return for our customers. And that's very much top of mind for us. But as you said at the start, um, we've had a really long track record of performance. Um, you know, our Aussie shares fund, I think you created the, the, um, three year or five year, but actually it's rated number one for performance in the market over 10 years. Um, and our high growth fund is rated number three over, over the same period. So, um, you know, I think you can have it both, um, but we are in a position as a society that where we really need to be thinking about what we are investing right. in. Right. But for a lot of investors, it's really the return, isn't it? So, I mean, they would like both. So, I mean, I, I mean this research is quite interesting, isn't it? So, it starts to segment how investors are looking at this space between those who are saying, well, yes, you know, I'm, I'm really focused on companies that are doing good. And that's going to drive my investment choice versus uh, the Warren Buffetts who are there saying, no, it's all it's all about the return. And those people, which is the majority that sort of fits somewhere in between. But uh, from what I see in this report over the last year, there's been a bit of a slide in in, in um, people engaged in ESG, not a big one. But probably because of, you know, because of the circumstances, they're not seeing quite the same return because we're, we're in difficult times. I've no doubt it's going to come back again. But it shows, you know, I mean, you can't, it can't all just be for the love of it. There's got to be a return that's, that's paying for, you know, paying its way at the end. Of course. Yeah. And that's absolutely, uh, you know, what we're here for. So, um, sure, let's, let's get into that then. So, you know, um, we do see from this report that awareness of responsible investing has grown at a really rapid rate over the last couple of years. And, and I've seen it even longer than that. But, you know, in the, over the past two years, it's grown from 61 to 82%. And I think, you know, what kicked off that increase in demand, um, probably four years ago was really, you know, concerns about environment and, and good social outcomes. And, you know, in Australia, we've had really devastating impacts caused by climate change related weather events. And, you know, the bushfires really did kind of kick off and kind of a step change in, in interest and demand. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, we're seeing, you know, bushfire season starting in, in many places around Australia um, already. 
But actually, what's interesting is that from from um, my data, I guess our data, we're we're starting to see the rise of an investor that's also seeing responsible investing as an investment thesis in its own right. So um, they are seeing that future-focused sustainable businesses are more likely to succeed and outperform uh, in the long run. And you know, many of those are concerned that we are seeing a renewable revolution globally. It's hard to see that in Australia sometimes, but companies that are primarily involved in mining for fossil fuels or reliant on fossil fuels you know, aside from fueling climate change problems, also have the potential to really swiftly devalue. And so they're seeing that actually that's probably not a good investment decision anyway. So it's, a, it's more of a long-term investment, isn't it? Is that the, the pattern that we're seeing that because it's a long-term issue, uh, we're, we're seeing longer-term investments? Are they less likely to bail if they see that perhaps they get one year of underperformance in, in, a, in a company or in a group of companies or in a fund? Yeah, so I mean... <laughs> I think that the research actually shows, I mean, in terms of in terms of investors, um, they're, they're actually very sticky. So, what we're seeing is that seventy one percent of investors are really satisfied with the performance of their responsible investments, and you know, seventy three percent of investors expect uh, their their responsible investing options to meet or exceed the returns of mainstream investments. I think um, you can't. I think we have to understand though that you can't expect responsible investments to perform the same as an index fund, for example, because, you know, the nature of the investments is probably reassuringly very different. So, um, you, you, they will perform in different cycles. So I think, you know, we've proven that over the long term, the investment approach generates really strong long term performance. And so, yes, I think, you know, if you're, if you're the super, it is a long term investment. Um, but we've also really successful in, in managed funds. But you do have to understand that there's probably more volatility and it doesn't quite follow the market in the same way. And it's a different customer base. So for, for your customers, if you, I mean, okay, we've just said that actually you're performing really well. But I mean, if, if the ESG market generally, is perhaps not performing as well as the broader market. Does that mean there's a certain type of customer, whether it's a, a company that's investing because it aligns with their values or maybe it's a, it, it, it's a charity or individuals who are, uh, are buying into a pension fund that has said, okay, we might not give you the best returns, but we're giving you the most responsible returns. Is it, is it a subsection of the broader population that's buying into this? Well, I, I think a few years ago, it probably it was a younger audience and um, also kind of a you know a, a sort of more deep green ethical audience. But we're starting to see it become much more mainstream now. We're seeing uh, interest in it at kind of every um, every demographic, um, particularly high growth in Gen X actually, um, and and even older um, groups that are wanting to leave a legacy for their children. So. Um, in terms of direct to consumer, um, we're seeing the increase in, in demand come across the board, starting from that kind of younger audience to begin with. Um, but we are seeing, um, really strong interest from values aligned organizations. So not for profits, um, foundations, um, but also, you know, B Corp and, and values aligned businesses that, um, you know, whilst they're doing really great work with their missions, are realizing that their corpus or, or some of their money is invested in things that are not aligned with those. Um, so that's definitely a, you know, a, a place where we're seeing more interest as well. Yes, because it's got to be aligned. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that comes back to bite you, isn't it? You can have, yes. uh, if, you, if you are actually, you know, investing a great deal of the, the profits that you've earned in, uh, in fossil fuels while talking against it. So that then becomes the, the you know, the one really 
reason why uh, people bail out or don't adopt uh, into various companies. This fear that actually they're not doing what they're saying, that, you know, they are greenwashing. They're just running a lot of uh, ad campaigns saying how fantastic they are. But actually, underneath the surface, they're not that green at all. Yeah, look, and ASIC, our regulator, has turned its attention to greenwashing in the financial sector. And um, and we have seen in the investment trends report that about 35% of current investors were deterred from investing in responsible products due to greenwashing. And so, um, you know, we, we, it's really important that we've had this regulatory action because, it, you know, this, the kind of so-called ESG funds, um, uh, you know, they, um, well, they're, they're, it's, it's not what it said on the tin. And so that means that the money is not going to the right places necessarily. And consumers have been disappointed. Um, the challenge around that, of course, is that the media and noise around that greenwashing activity means that some customers are becoming more worried about greenwashing and, you know, don't know how to choose a genuinely green option. Um, and we are seeing there's a consultation at the moment from the Treasury around, um, uh, some reforms, which will include labeling and, and include, um, probably a taxonomy that makes it easier for, for customers to be able to compare products. And we welcome that. So how do you make sure that you're not investing in companies that are engaging in greenwashing? Um, well, we have an ethics research team. Um, so we invest in individual companies and we are ethics research team spend a lot of time and effort um, trying to make sure that the, the companies that we invest in, um, in line, line up with our values and, and with our charter. Um, so, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of time and effort that goes and experience, um, that goes into that. And as I said, we've been doing this for, for a very long time and we've been quite deliberate, um, about the way that we explain our ethics and how we, uh, and our investment process and, and our investment philosophy. Um, I think you, you've probably been able to hear that it's, it's, it's not simple, but we've been trying to be as, you know, really transparent with customers about how and where we invest and, um, you know, what our ethical charter is, what the frameworks that sit underneath that look like and, you know, explain our starting points and our thresholds. So in this report that you've done with investment trends, you also look at financial advisors, you know, as the, as the channel, uh, and, and are they, Helping or hindering? Are they? Because uh, I'm, I'm sort of imagining that there'll be, you know, some of those people will be perhaps not big on climate change, uh, but they're there answering questions from from their customers, uh, or you know, perhaps are just not clued up on it. Are they? Are, are they? Getting up to speed? I think they're definitely getting up to speed. And we do see advisor interest growing, particularly as we're starting to see consumer demand or we've seen consumer demand grow so, so much over the last few years. So, you know, we have consumers coming in to see their advisors saying, tell me all about it. And, um, that, that obviously <laughs> drives an interest from them too. But I mean, in this report, we see that 70% of advisors felt it was important to broach um, ESG or responsible investing with their clients to fulfill their, you know, their best interest duties. Um, and then, you know, a further 79% of advisors agree that it's their responsibility to ensure that their clients' investments align with their personal values and principles. Um, so, uh, we, we also saw, you know, advisors are kind of favoring kind of actively managed funds, um, that meet ESG um, principles and, and actually, you know, Australian ethical, was the most, um, you know, recommended, um, provider there. Um, so, I mean, the advisors use, um, investment. They use ratings houses, um, like Morningstar, um, to, to kind of assess 
the credentials of an investment manager. Um, and, you know, we've been recognized as only one of eight, eight global leaders in the world in ethical in, in, in ESG investing by Morningstar, um, which we're really proud of. Um, and so, you know, that helps in, in that market. So do you think we're just going through a transition phase at the moment? Because, I mean, it, it, it obviously, you know, in 10 years time, we're going to be in a very different place. I mean, we, if, if we're not, you know, if, if every company is not uh, in, engaged in green practices, then we're, we're in a pretty sad place. Yeah. And it seems and it seems like the last couple of years, things have moved a, a, a great deal. So actually, uh, I mean, you've created a, it's sort of a niche, isn't it? But in, in a few years time, what you're doing is going to be pretty mainstream, isn't it? Well, we really hope so. We think it has to become much more mainstream. Um, it is a complex, uh, it's, a, it's a complex style of investing, if you like. And it does take, you know, research and, and you know, rigorous analysis to do it properly. Um, so, you know, we're, we're ahead of the curve, I think, um, but we're continuing to forge ahead with you know, new product ideas and, and new ways to gain even more impact um, with the investments that we're making. But we think it's a really compelling value proposition and, and one that we're really, we'd welcome uh, others joining in. Um, we, we need to, to be doing this for the, for the sake of everybody. Yeah, well, that's right. Make some money and save the planet at the same time. Double win. Fantastic. Uh, well, thanks for taking us through all of that, Maria, and uh, the work that you're doing there at Australian Ethical. And uh, great to have you on the Morning Call Weekend Edition. Well, perhaps you can organise a chat with Warren Buffett. Yeah, we'll get the two of you on together. That would be exciting. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Maria. Yeah, thank you. And that is the weekend edition for this week. More next week, of course, and I am back on Monday morning for the weekday edition. Nabs Tapper Strickland is going to be joining me to talk through what's going to be impacting the markets this coming week. Till then, I'm Phil Dobby for Nab. Thanks for listening. The weekend edition. 